When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday. Happy day after Labor Day. Hope you had a great three-day weekend. Hope you're ready for today's show. We certainly are. Look, we got a special guest in studio, a man all the way from California, the Korean Cosell in studio live with us today. Round of applause, please. Uh, Steve, Steve Kim. Steve, thank you so much uh, for making the trip in. Steve will be here with us uh, most of the week. Steve, kick back. Uh, I've got a fire starter I want to get into. Uh, may take me a minute. I've got a lot to unpack here on Deion Sanders. And then Steve and I will uh, get into the discussion even at a deeper level. But first, let me unpack this uh, fire starter and mono. Does Deion Sanders believe in Deion Sanders? He's certainly not acting like a believer in himself, the Colorado Buffaloes, or the God he proclaims when he occasionally takes a break from self-promotion. Following Colorado's upset of 17th-ranked Texas Christian, primetime behaved like an insecure 29-year-old woman trying to convince herself that streaming reality TV shows, cooking shashuka, and getting drunk at a Beyonce concert beats marriage and kids. Yeah, I went there. Remember the woman? Let's play the clip. It's 10.45 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm 29 and single, and I don't have kids yet. Here's what your Saturday morning looks like when you're single at 29 and you don't have a kid running around the house. I didn't rise from my bed until 10.15. Every time I thought, I should probably get up and do something. I thought, why? Nobody's making me. I'm not missing out on anything. I went to Beyonce last night, and I didn't get home until 1 a.m. And I danced and drank my little heart out, and I didn't pay a babysitter to watch my kids as I did that. And I woke up a tad hungover this morning, just probably why I was in bed for so long and I was just scrolling on my phone and I saw a picture of shakshuka and I thought you know it sounds really good maybe I'm gonna learn how to make shakshuka today because I have no plans and I don't have kids and I don't have a husband and I don't have errands to run I know that you can do all these things when you have kids and you're married and I understand but the effortlessness and ease of my life just kind of focusing on myself and the shakshuka I want to make or the Beyonce concert I want to go to really pays off when I'm hard on myself for not being where society tells me I should be in life. Yeah, uh, Dion, that's who you sounded like. The woman that's been beefing with Matt Walsh all weekend, that TikToker lying to herself, that's how Dion sounded. On the heels of his 45-42 victory, Primetime walked into his press conference crowing about the receipts he kept on his critics and immediately transitioned into bragging about his son, Shadur. 
Colorado starting quarterback. The self-idolatry, hubris, and LeVar Ball impersonation were just the warm-up. It didn't take long for the first-year Colorado head coach to channel his inner Al Sharpton. Take a listen. We're gonna, we're gonna continuously be questioned because we do things that have never been done. That's the way our life has presented themselves. We do things that have never been done and that makes people uncomfortable. When you see a, a confident black man sitting up here talking his talk, walking his walk, coaching 75% African-Americans in the locker room, that's kind of threatening. Oh, they don't like that. But guess what? We gonna consistently do what we do because I'm here and ain't going nowhere. And I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. Dion's closing act was pure Bill Tannen. You remember Bill Tannen, Steve, from the movie Back to the Future? Uh, Primetime told Ed Werder to make like a tree and get out of here. That, that's from Back to the Future. Dismissing the veteran ESPN reporter's question. Take a listen. What's up, boss? You believe now? Of all the you, you, hold on, hold on, hold on, oh no. Do you believe that? Huh? Who said I didn't believe oh, before? No, no, no. I read through that bull junk you wrote. I, I read through that. I sifted what, through what all that. What did I write? Yeah. What did I write? Oh, no. Come Can on. I ask my question? Do you believe? In what? You don't believe. I do believe. You just answered it. You don't believe. <laughs> Next question. So, in March of 2023, Edwarder committed the crime of referring to Deion Sanders as a celebrity coach in a single tweet. Here's the tweet. Colorado celebrity football coach has made CU's Buffs football like the most interesting program in the country. It's number two in merchandise sales, Folsom Field suites are sold out, and season ticket renewal rate stands at 97%. Deion Sanders has created attention before his first win. That's all. That, that, that's all Ed Werder had tweeted, and Dion calls him out in the post-game press conference. Are you kidding me? Ed Werder is a very respected journalist. He's not even an opinion guy. He's a reporter. He, he's not like me or Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp or any of these talking heads that spout opinions, controversial opinions, all the time. Ed Werder sticks to the facts. No one has beef with Ed Werder. But he, here's the thing that Dion and his supporters don't understand. Believers don't take victory laps after one win. Believers know they're on a never-ending journey. Believers demonstrate their faith by giving the glory to God and smothering themselves in humility. This is my problem with Deion Sanders. He professes faith in Jesus Christ and himself that he contradicts at every turn. Despite his athletic success, wealth, natural charm, and good looks, Deion Sanders is actually insanely insecure. He camouflages his self-doubt with gold chains, bluster, and bullying. He's 56 and insists that people refer to him as Prime, a secular materialistic character he, he created as a child at Florida State. The lack of evolution and maturity are stunning. What's equally shocking is how many people play along with his cosplay. 
Most of the media celebrated Sanders' post-game annex. White reporters fear being labeled racist. Black reporters fear being labeled sellouts. The ex-jocks with a platform all want to be Dion and fear jeopardizing their invitation to speak to the Colorado football team. Dion ruined a fun, feel-good sports story. He needlessly racialized a game and demonized individuals who meant him no harm. I've tried my best to support Deion Sanders. I can't do it anymore. I spent the last six or seven years hoping Deion's proclaimed Christian faith would begin manifesting itself in his public behavior. I'm the same age as Deion. I've been every bit as worldly, insecure, and foolish as Sanders. But you live long enough and you begin to figure out that God's ways are superior to man's. Dion hasn't surrendered to that fact yet. It's disappointing. But he's rarely confronted with any hard truth. He loves the lies and dopamine of social media. It's where he hunts for recruits and develops his worldview. Twitter has convinced Sanders that white football fans and coaches feel threatened by his skin color and ascension to head coach at a Power 5 school. It's as if he's unaware that he replaced a black head coach at Colorado and that black players dominate most locker rooms. No one's threatened Dion. They're annoyed. They're the same kind of annoyed as Eddie Robinson Jr., the head coach at Alabama State and HBCU. Last year, when Dion led Jackson State, Robinson beefed with Dion. Robinson infamously claimed that Dion wasn't swack. This is their little post-game handshake where he blew, he and Dion nearly pushed and shoved with each other. Dion's lack of humility and loyalty and out of control hypocrisy are annoying. Dion says he's coaching for kids, but mostly talks about himself. Dion says he's coaching to uplift black coaches, but he hired white coordinators at Colorado. Dion says he's a follower of Jesus Christ, but he completely ignores every scripture related to humility. Dion, let me quote you a couple of scriptures here. You're a Christian. Let's go to Luke 14, 11. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's go to Romans. For by, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of us. That's Romans 12, three. On Monday, during an interview with Pat McAfee, Dion insinuated that TCU offensive coordinator Kendall Browse mistreated and or ignored Shador Sanders when he was a high school recruit. Is Dion aware that the players he ran out of the Colorado program felt mistreated by him? But Let's listen to Dion throw Kendall Browse under the bus. We, we, we went to a camp of a certain school and this certain coordinator we just played against. He's an offensive coordinator. He was at that school and we went to this school of camp and he didn't pay him no attention. Oh, yeah. I don't even think he barely spoke to him. Oh. He just pushed him off to the side and I, I went and told somebody, I said, man, that ain't a way to treat him now. That's not right. That's not right. And he remembered that. And he told me, probably 20 minutes after the little situation happened, he said, Dad, we'll never come back here again. Okay, all right, good. 
and we'll we never come back here again. Yeah. And we remember this. Mm-hmm. And we rem- and we go five ten or something. Damn. Yeah, he said we would never come back here again. And because of the way that coach treated him. That's why I tell my guys, you be careful on these visits because these kids watch everything and be careful how you treat them because you never know what they're going to come up to be. And he dissected and he wanted to beat that guy so bad that he just went to work. So Kendall Browse was coaching at Florida State. This is what Dion's talking about. Dion's alma mater or the school he played football at. It's not Dion's alma mater. Dion now hates Florida State or disavows Florida State. But that's where Kendall Browse was coaching at. And they offered, they offered Shador a scholarship. But Dion is now trying to rub it in Florida State's face, trying to rub it in everybody. Shador could have been your quarterback. I could have been your head coach. You blew it. Kendall Browse mistreated my son. I'm now at Colorado and Kendall threw for five, or uh, Shador threw for 500 yards. Look, man, Dion's hypocrisy runs so deep that it's impossible to discern what he actually believes in beyond self-promotion. His stated views and philosophy reflect the tenets of a Satanist, Aleister Crowley's true will. Each man is his own God. We should be obedient to our own understanding of ourselves and the world. It's the thinking that undergirds the transgender movement. It's the attitude that prioritizes feelings over fact. Deion Sanders does so little self-reflection that he's likely unaware that his ideology aligns with Aleister Crowley's. But here's Sanders, a month ago, launching into a speech about his approach to critics and offering advice to young people. The rant is typical Deion Sanders, half rapper, half philosopher, dressed up with a reference to God. Take a look. Look at me. What about me would make you think that I care about your opinion of me? Your opinion of me is not the opinion that I have of myself. You ain't make me, so you can't break me. You didn't build me, so you can't kill me. I, I, you know what? God, God established me, so you ain't nothing you could do to me. I, I've been dealing with this foolishness since Pee Wee football, man. I've been him. I've been a difference maker, a game changer. I've been that guy. So what will change now that I'm coaching? Not a darn thing. I'm not even playing the game, and you got an opinion of me. I'm not even on the field. But I'm pretty sure I get every darn coach I'm playing against, head coaches, <laughs> and anything you want to do. But I, 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 I love it, but I don't care. And I wish the world thought like that. Youngsters, if you're out there right now, do not give a darn what opinions people have of you. Long as that opinion is not consistent of that of yourself. You be you. I'm not planning to make you feel good about me. I already feel good about me. I'm good. It's a message for the youngsters out there. And the oldest, old school, not old fools. So Deion Sanders clearly cares what people think. Why else would he keep receipts on what people think? His Colorado players will mirror his obsession with the thoughts of outsiders. Coaches beg their players to eliminate outside noise. Dion is elevating the importance of his critics, the people bothered by his hypocrisy and concerned that his hey look at me coaching style will become the norm. That's my fire starter. Mm -hmm. I I just want to add one little 
bit here before I, I bring Steve in because I won't talk with Steve much about the spiritual aspects of this, but it, it really does come down for me as a believer that, that Dion, if he left God out of it, if he didn't talk about his religious faith and quit occasionally when he's not promoting himself, try to promote the fact that he's some sort of Christian, I would have less of a problem with Deion Sanders. Deion and I, handful of years ago, maybe five, six years ago, we came to an uncomfortable piece uh, when I was at Fox Sports, because we, we've had some friction from time to time. We came to an uncomfortable piece in my dressing room five, six years ago when I was at Fox Sports. And, and I've really, really, at that time, believe that, hey, Dion is flawed, but his intentions are good. And I just thought maturity, evolution, life w would eventually push Dion along to a better path and a better worldview. It has, it has not happened. I don't have some standard where, because again, I'm so flawed and, and thought so many different foolish things, I don't expect perfection from anybody. And if you, you look at any of the comments I've ever made about Michael Irvin over the last 10 to 15 years, because I had a very negative opinion of Michael Irvin for a long time, and then I met him, and then I was exposed to like, holy cow, Michael Irvin's a really good person, he's got some demons, but he's actually authentic in his efforts to try to course correct and make a positive impact in the world. I don't know if I believe that about Dion. Everything with Dion is always about Dion. And to sit, to call yourself a Christian and to sit there and give kids the advice of, hey, you only answer to yourself. If you're pleased with yourself, you be you and screw what everybody else says. That's not a Christian worldview. Christians believe we are flawed and messed up and must turn to God and the Bible to course correct, to clean up our demons. We all know that none of us are worthy. And so th this whole mentality of be happy with yourself, you do you, that's what has convinced 15-year-olds, 30-year-olds, you know what? Yeah, I got a sack and balls, but I'm really a girl. I'm gonna get surgery and cut my sack and balls off, and I'm gonna hold, do this whole transgender thing. I'm gonna just be my true self. I'm going to be the true version of me, who I believe I am. That's the mentality behind this whole transgender movement. That's the mentality that has prioritized feelings and why, oh my God, you hurt my feelings. And because uh, again, whatever you feel is the most important thing. That has not been the way of the world. And it certainly was not the way of America for when America was at its best, when free speech was actually valued, when we thought sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Dion is expressing a feminine, morally bankrupt worldview. And he's passing it off as confidence and a false bravado. He, he either is 
so devoid of self-reflection and understanding of the bigger picture, he doesn't know what he's doing or he knows exactly what he's doing. He's dressing up a harmful worldview, a feminine worldview, a demonic worldview. He's dressing it up and calling it Christianity. And it bothers me. Anybody can course correct. If Dion course corrects, if he hears, because this is a pretty big receipt, I'm writing Dion. If he hears this as authentic criticism and course corrects, or just self-evaluate, reflect. A 56-year-old man is insisting on other adults calling him prime, calling him some nickname, some materialistic Nickname. A 56-year-old man is running around with gold chains like a rapper, like a 19-year-old rapper. This is a level of insecurity and false bravado that, that's frightening. And, and, you know, Dion, I think, wrote a book, a biography or autobiography or a memoir and, and confessed in there that he contemplated suicide. And I watch his behavior and I go, yeah, I can see that. This man is incredibly insecure. No, nobody with his level of accomplishments, his good looks, his charm should be beating their chest constantly. Uh, look how great I am. I, I, and, and so some of you will misinterpret some of the things I do on this show. And, and so... I, you know, I come on this show and I crack jokes about how good I look. That's self-deprecation. I'm overweight. I'm in my 50s. I'm not like a Deion Sanders. These guys. This is just me cracking a joke, blah, blah, blah. Deion has no humility. None. And it's, it's frightening. And at, at 56, it's, it's beneath the character of a 56-year-old. You, you've lived long enough it's, you should, if you're watching the signs of what's going on with you and the world, you should have been humbled by now. And Dion's not humble, and it's, it's dressed up as Christianity. It's offensive to me. That's uh, the rest of my fire starter. Steve, before I, I bring you into the conversation, I want to take care of uh, some people that take care of us. Nugenics. Guys, are you ready to boost your testosterone and get your old self back. Our sponsor, Nugenics Total Tea, is offering a complimentary bottle when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword fearless. Are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, your energy? As men age, we lose free testosterone, the man hormone. We lose that fire. It's harder to feel as alive, as energetic, be as active. It's even harder to stay in shape. Now you can get that old fire back with Nugenics. Want more energy, more power to fight the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock and re-energize your life. It'll help you look and feel like the man you want to be. And now get a complimentary bottle when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword fearless. This is the unprecedented formula with science-backed key ingredients to safely maximize your free and total testosterone levels, help you increase muscle mass, and skyrocket your performance as you age. Nugenics is also the number one doctor-recommended testosterone-boosting brand. If you're not totally satisfied, Nugenics will refund 100% of your purchase price, plus shipping and processing. 
Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231231 and enter the keyword fearless. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat and get lean fast. Absolutely free. Text 231231, enter the keyword fearless. That's 231231, keyword fearless. Texting enrolls you in recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. The number one doctor recommended brand, primary care physicians based on an independent survey conducted by IQVIA 2022. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Steve, uh, after all that, uh, I want to welcome you into uh, the conversation. And I, I, I'm going to start with just a general one. Is this Dion experiment, in your view, is it going to work? In the long term, it might. In the age of the transfer portal and NIL, yes. Give me a percentage of might. Will you, 55% you think it's going to work? 60%? I'll say two-thirds. I actually think, you know, it's funny that Dion racialized it. It's not, I'm not surprised by it. I'm disappointed. I thought it was a great game. I actually tweeted with about five minutes to go. I was at Coach JB's house for Football Palooza 2023. And I said, win or lose, I want to give Dion credit. He had his team prepared to play. I mean, because they got play here or play there, they lose the game. Chandler Morris actually missed some throws. But I thought that did not take away from the fact the team was sharp, it was prepared, it played hard, it was an exciting game. I said, you know what, you could build off this. But because of the result, now he has room to gloat. And when I heard some of those things, and here's the other thing, as a media member, we have our favorites. Let's be honest, we're all human, we have our biases. But I am not obligated to believe in anything. When it comes to sports and athletes, I'm an atheist. Be Missouri, show me. If you hit like Tony Gwynn, I'm going to say you're great. You hit like Mario Mendoza, you're a 200 hitter. There's really nothing personal about it, to be honest with you. So I, I thought that was not a great look. At least he's matured. At least he didn't throw a bottle of ice-cold buckets like he did to Tim McCarver. So there is some maturity. There is some evolution of old prime time. The, the thing that's interesting, forget the racial aspect. that We could talk about that later because there is something about it since Dion and Jamel Hill and Clarence Hill put up a tweet saying you would never see black players or coaches treated like this. He tweeted that. And people gave like 100 examples of Nick Saban just getting cussed out, like just dog cussed by everybody. And he ended up, I think, deleting the tweet because he ended up, I think even Clarence, who runs this race card, I think he realized I just got stuffed in a locker. This happens. I've been at college games. The stuff that you hear. Um, I actually think it's a compliment when you get cussed out by a student section. It means that you're good. Okay, they don't boo three and eight teams. In fact, they didn't boo one and 11 teams. So the interesting thing is I think there's a philosophical battle going on in college football. And namely, the old guard of college football does not hate that Dion is black. They hate the fact that he can use his profile, which is very unique, to basically poach players. See, this is the thing. Eddie George was an accomplished player. He's coaching. 
No one seems to know because he's not flashy. He's not neon Dion. He's not prime time. So no matter where he goes, he's going to be a solid individual, Eddie. But he'll never be the guy that's going to be a magnet for blue chippers. A guy like Pat Narduzzi, who stepped into it this year because he said, I, I didn't do it the way Dion did. We here at Pitt do it a different way. We, we develop kids. And then when I get a team, I'm not running off 84 guys. He got slandered for it. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, do you disagree with Pat Narduzzi? Or did Pat Narduzzi make the mistake of being a white man over the age of 50 stating his opinion? Because I actually kind of side with Pat Narduzzi. Well, I mean, <laughs> Steve, you, 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 you've said a mouthful, and that, that's, that's, that's why I'm here. I, why I'm it's here. why you're here, but it's also a byproduct of I, I got to think about once I do my monologue, people want to expound on everything. And so there's a bunch of things I want to respond yeah. to and get into a yeah. deeper conversation. And so let, let's start with this one. You think there's a chance it's going to work. Yes. And then you also think, which I agree with, that coaches are concerned about the disruption. Yes. And, and they have every right. Anytime you're a disruptor in any industry, there's going to be blowback. Elon Musk is facing a ton of blowback for taking over Twitter and using it in a way that no one or the regime didn't want it used in that way. He's a disruptor. And so he's getting, a, he's getting dumped on. And I just don't understand, well, I do understand, but no, I really don't understand why Dion at 56 <laughs> can't figure out, like, his approach puts pressure on everybody and disrupts the entire industry, well, and there's going to be blowback for that. I, I, I don't disagree, but I thought it was funny. Dion said, we're doing things like no one else has done before. I, I would have been like, coach, uh, I'm not a believer, but I want to point this out. Lincoln Riley did it last year. He did it exactly the way you did it. He brought in a lot of new uh, Louie. He brought in his own Louie. See, that's the thing. that the, If you are a coach of, let's say, a regular P5 team, not one of the Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, there is a threat, in my view, that when you take a chance on, let's say, a top 500 player that's merely a three-star and you develop them, you go through your system, your investment, you fit them into a system, by the junior year, they're about to explode. You may have just actually developed them for somebody else. And why can't a Pat Narduzzi say, wait a minute, that's not right, we hate it. You know, the thing is, so, and I, and I said this to Coach JB a couple days ago, Dion believe, believes in bringing in Louie. Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, because and they do a great job at this, by the way, they're good at developing their own Samsonite. Yes. It's a blue-collar program. They take a lot of guys that a lot of the other programs are like, you're a little bit too small or slow. But by the time you leave, you give us five years of your life, you're going to be the best football player you can be. And we have to understand, from Narduzzi's standpoint, his best receiver last year was Jordan Addison. What happened? He got poached by USC. I don't understand why Pat Narduzzi is not allowed to be upset. You know, and, and, and that's the overriding factor here with Dion, that every other coach in America, black or white, says, wait a minute, that redshirt sophomore that I like that no one else wanted. One call from the 303 area code, he's a Buffalo. That's what they're afraid of. And Dion is on Twitter recruiting 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's not coaching. He's taking the Bobby Bowden approach. He's hired a great staff, and he's turned coaching over to them. And Dion is just using his personality 
to lure product that other people have developed. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, and again, as a sports fan, as a college football fan, as a Ball State diehard fan, we rolled out a freshman quarterback in the second half against Kentucky, and my first thought was like, oh my God, this kid's the truth. And my second thought was, he'll probably hit the transfer portal after this mm. season. And we won't get the credit of our coaching staff having identified and recruited this kid when no one else wanted. This kid's from California. Bunch of schools overlooked him, thought he was a hair too short, not strong enough, blah, blah, blah. And, and now there's a chance he'll get hit. Carson Steele, UCLA's best running back. That's yeah, a Ball, Ball State, State kid. No one in the country, no Power 5 school in the country, was willing to let this kid play running back. We did. He led 1,500, led the conference in rushing. UCLA comes and takes him after two years. We, we, <laughs> that was our kid. He was the face of our team. We lost, and so it's unfair, and I don't blame coaches for being upset and like this layer of disruption because it, it's, and again, it's, is it all Dion's fault? Absolutely not. It's the NCAA's fault for never addressing name, image, and likeness, for never addressing how do we cut the kids in on this deal, for, for allowing coaches to jump teams. And so the NCAA's neglect created all this. Dion coming in and taking advantage of it and is just going to turn the whole thing into that every day you're basically recruiting your kids, even while you're coaching them, even while yes. they're there. You're recruiting them every day. It's making coaching a lot harder. And, and Dion is sitting there with the force of his personality and celebrity. And this he sits on Twitter all day. He kisses kids. He brings in a Brittany Renner to talk to the kids. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that a lot of these they don't want to do because it's not their values. There's a bunch of coaches like, I don't want to bring Brittany Renner in to, to uh, prey on my kids or to speak to our kids. That's not reflective of the values I'm trying to instill. And so... It's the disruption. It's not the skin color, Dion. It's the disruption. Yeah, I, I mean, look, there used to be a time and place, maybe even five years ago, that a college football coach knew, I'm going to lose about 20 to 25 seniors, or people are going to lose their eligibility. So I have to bring in another 20, 25 players, sign them in December, final Sunday, first week of February. It's part of the job. But in the middle of May or June, if you think your second-string guard, who's a red-shirt freshman, is unhappy... You literally have to think to myself, what's his upside? Is he happy? Is he being shopped around? Is he being poached? I, I get it from a coach's perspective, and I get it. They make a lot of money. They're millionaires. But no coach wants to go into this thinking, boy, I can't wait to re-recruit 80 of all my scholarship players. And look, what Dion is interesting, how, the, how he's gone the Bobby Bowden route. You know what? I look at that as a plus because he knows what he is. 90% of this job, Jason, is talent acquisition. You show me a good base of talent, I'll show you a good football coach. It's like in boxing, you show me a good boxer, I'll show you a good trainer. And as long as he hires guys like Sean Lewis, he's, he has a shot. That right there shows me he knows how to run a program. Well, I get it, Steve, but there used to be coaches that, and now I'm about to go to a basketball analogy, 
which is probably inappropriate and maybe a bit distracting, but it's the first thing that popped in my mind. Bobby Knight and Indiana University did not rely on the most talented players. And, and, there was, and they got to be a national powerhouse. And as good as anybody in the Big Ten, as good as anybody nationally. Not relying on the best players. They're a football. George Perlis, when he was the head coach at Michigan State, and, and, and uh, he didn't get as good of players as Michigan, but he figured out a way to develop and mold his players. There was a path for coaches that wanted to go a different approach, didn't want to, didn't have access to the five stars, and maybe didn't want to deal with all the headaches. But now every kid gets to basically act like a five-star kid, and a coach can't discipline them and mold them because of the fear they'll just jump into the transfer pool. No, there's no doubt about that. But with Bobby Knight, he would basically say, you have to be my type of guy and you have to fit my motion offense. But also, guys stood four and five years at Indiana. Right. That was not UNLV. They weren't doing one and done there. Right. Outside of Isaiah Thomas, I don't re- recall that many of his great teams being led by underclassmen. And Isaiah was truly special. Football, to me, is a game of development. I still believe the best programs will use the thing of the transfer portal as a protein bar. Okay, because I've had a lot. A protein bar is a supplement. It cannot be every meal that you have throughout the day. Now, Dion this year is it's the meal. Okay, you're right. And so we're going to see how that goes. But I think even he would say, once I have all my Louie in place, even in his, even with his salesmanship, he would much rather have young kids like Cormani McLean, a five-star cornerback, that he can have for four years in his system. Because look at Alabama. Alabama's a pretty good program. But they had, had some misses in recruiting. They have. So the last two seasons, their best offensive skill players have come from Ohio State, Jamison Wilson, uh, Will Williams, and then Jameer Gibbs out of Georgia Tech. So again, you look at certain programs, they will p- pick and plug holes, but to do it every year where you're bringing in an, uh, just like 50, 60 new guys, look, this is a one-year thing, because a lot of these guys are going to have eligibility left. They are, Jason. The one thing that concerns me about Dion is, I wonder how many kids actually want to be taped and filmed every single day, because I, I see the YouTube videos. There comes a point, these kids just want to be left alone. I'll, are you sure? Yes. In this name, image, and likeness era, in this, where they feel like there's money to be made and, and attention to be had, and Dion is telling them this is, all this stuff we're doing is going to get you to the NFL? Well, here's the reality. And Dion said it himself. There's less than five players in the country that are actually worthy of a national endorsement deal. Caleb Williams is one of them. I've seen some new commercials. Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter after last Saturday might be. Maybe Drake may. But here's the reality for a lot of Colorado players that they may not realize yet. If I'm not his son or Travis Hunter, I may be overshadowed by the coach the whole five years or four years that I'm there. So there are drawbacks to it. But I think that your point's very interesting. You don't lift up your arm like your Rosie Ruiz, that's an old school reference, and like you won the Boston Marathon after the first mile. They actually have a very difficult schedule. I want to see what happens. And, and does he keep receipts if they're two and five? I actually want to see what the media coverage is. If, if any of these guys can be TJ Simers and just raise their hands after a loss, because they're not going to beat SC. I don't care how bad SC's defense is. They will not beat SC. I'll guarantee that right now. I want to see what the line of questioning is. 
because I, this is actually another facet is that the media, especially if you're white, they are so afraid of the social media blowback. They Why are you doing especially if you're white? I think the black well, are just as scared. Yeah, but maybe I, even more. No, but I think the white journalists are more afraid of being branded. See, because on the whole thing of the oppression scale, you'd rather be deemed a sellout rather than a racist. See, at least if you're deemed a racist, I don't you know. can't be hired. If now if you're called a sellout, you can still get hired by certain places. You know, I, I don't know. It's 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 it, they're both bad. Neither is good. But some of these guys are so afraid to ask tough, I see this in boxing all the time. People that cover the sport, they make this uh, decision to become basically unemployed publicists. And the reason is very simple. This game has become all about access. This game is all about making sure the guy gives you the interview and then making sure that that guy's fan base likes you. Then it's about creating hits and retweets and likes. And then it's, then it's becoming accepted. And so there really is no true journalism anymore. And Dion has found a way to exploit it. Like what I saw there was not so much just gloating. It seemed to me like it was a whole guilt trip to everyone in there that was a media member that did not genuflect at him. And... So, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to put your psychiatrist therapist hat on and we'll do some serious speculating here. But do you believe Dion is supremely confident? I don't. I, I just never seen anybody that's supremely confident beat their chest this much. <sighs> Muhammad Ali. Th that, that, I mean, uh, that, that's a one-on-one -on -one Man steps into the ring, risk his life. I understand that mentality in boxing, creating that persona, that invincibility. You're somewhat talking to, to yourself. I, I, I think that's a whole separate deal. Uh, where I'm just Dion just it comes off as insincere. It comes off as phony to me. Well, in my view, I think he's supremely confident. He's one of the most confident athletes I've ever seen. I'll say it. I know you disagree. Athletes. I, athlete, you're right. But that's, He's that, coaching now. That's what he is. That, in his DNA, he is Muhammad Ali in a lot of ways. He, he's one of the five or six, not five, maybe top ten players I've ever seen. I, I would and, agree with you know, that. And that carries over to what he is as a coach. Now, do I believe that he uses religion as a crutch? Yes. I remember in the late 90s, he didn't want to pay a mechanic that did a bunch of work on his car because he said God told him to. And I said, oh, I don't say the word, but blasphemous. Let's just put it that way. And what he's doing now is, in a way, when you talk about the seven deadly sins, like he wears it all over his chest. I mean, even like the glasses, certain people are not going to like just the way he acts. And here's another thing. Would he have an issue if I said to him, Coach Sanders, I have a question. Would he insist I call him Coach Prime? Because I thought that was the issue. Because I know a couple years ago when he was at Jackson State, he didn't like someone calling him Dion. He said, you need to address me as coach. Jason, I'm actually on his side on that. But if he is insisting that I can't use his surname, Coach Sanders, and I have to call him Coach Prime, I would agree that is ego run amok. It, it, it's insecurity run amok. Anytime I, someone at his age walking around with gold chains constantly, I, I'm just... It, I know these guys, and I used to be one. I used to be a, I, I used to be young and stupid. Well, first, when you know, thirty years ago, when I first started making, 
six figures. I went out and bought me a big gold chain. I wore it twice, and it was like, this is stupid. And, and, and took it up, and this was 30 years ago. I, I was smart enough to figure out, like, this is stupid. This guy's 56 and running around with all this gold chains on. I can't believe he, that's, that's the ultimate sign of insecurity in my opinion. And well, you're right, it is, but I wanna say something that surprises you. I think Dion's actually good for college football right now. Oh, yeah, uh, oh there we go. Wow. Yes. Explain that. Right now, what is going on with college football, we're losing our tradition. We're losing a lot of our identity. The rivalries are going uh, by the wayside. The players are basically all three and done, all the transferring. So we're losing every great college program that I know of has had a personality. And right now, guys like Jim Harbaugh and Deion Sanders, they give programs a personality. Say what you want about Deion. From here on out, Jay, from the rest, next 11, 12 weeks, you will care about Colorado. You will peek in at that score, right? Yeah, lot. of course. When was the last time you did that with Colorado? When Cordell Stewart was there? No, 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 Eric Bieniemy. I get it. Michael Westbrook? I, I mean, that doesn't... Okay, just because you're an attraction, people break their necks at car wrecks. You know, that they stop and slow down. Oh, there's a car wreck over here. This may spectacle. be one. Spectacle. We love... We're all attracted to spectacle. Dion is spectacle right now it, it but it's it's not on firm ground I, I can't say that it's not going to work because i think we live in an era where uh the the old standards and doing things the right way have been pretty much ruled irrelevant cheaters actually seem to get ahead and do well, the best and i'm not calling Dion a cheater but i'm saying people that just ignore standard operating procedures, normal protocol, people who embrace the right values, don't get, a far, don't get as far as people who embrace Jason, I'm the with debauchery. You, but he makes it fun, no, no matter whether it grinds your gears or not. He gives the best pregame, in-game, and post-game interviews. I mean, what he said at halftime when he said, if Travis Hunter catches that pass, that Heisman's in his crib chilling. And I thought it was funny. It was better than those coach cliche with those banal statements. He makes it fun. Can we at least give him that? This is the entertainment I'm gonna business. I'm going to give you an analogy. Okay. I'm going to give you an analogy. Uh, the Temptations used to sing great music. And they'd stand up and they'd do a little right. dance, blah, blah, blah. And great music. And, and what we all fell in love with is the spectacle. So now, all this, Aretha Franklin gave us great music. Now all the singers go on half naked, and they got a bunch of dancers with them that are half naked and shaking their rear end. The music now is very debaucherous. It, it's all entertaining, it's all funny. Everybody dressed up as a clown and it's a circus. Is it better than what Aretha Franklin and the Temptations are doing? I would say absolutely not. Is it more pleasing to the eye? Is it funnier? Is it, I, I guess those things are true. Doesn't make it better. I, look, I don't disagree with you, but it, in an era, and you, let's go back to can you, can you make it work in, in my statement that 90% of this is talent acquisition. Well, in an era 
where I see high school kids jumping up and down like they had seen uh, the Messiah when Sexy Red walks into a gym. Yes, the Dion thing can work. That, that, okay, but now you just you keep moving the goalpost. You had moved it previously. This is good for football, Jay. No, the personality the, he brings. I got, but you right. did. No, well, what you said, what you right. said was okay. Deion Sanders is good for college football. And that's, don't move back to anything else. Good. And I say, I say yeah, he's sexy red. Is she good for music? She get a lot of attention? Yeah. But is she good for music? No. I will grant you that. But Dion, his personality it's different. If every single coach acted like Nick Saban, how bored would we be? If every single coach was Kirby Smart. Whoa, 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 My God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Steve, quit it. Stop it. Quit what? Quit, quit pretending like, hey, man, I'm, I got my popcorn, I got my beer, I got my snacks, I got my wings. I can't wait to watch these coaches. You're there to watch the players on the field. You know, the large part, that's true. For the large part. For the large part. But when a team like Alabama loses and you see Nick Saban's face just kind of turn beet red, it's part of the enjoyment of it. It really, college sports especially in a sense that a lot of it is about the coaches. It is. Steve, let me tell you, let me give you the sport that's about the coaches. And, and, and it'll let you know what you're talking about for college football. You're trying to turn it into college basketball. And ever since it's been about the coaches, it's not nearly as great oh. as when it was about the players. When it was Patrick Ewing, Pearl Washington, Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Fire Slamma Jamma, Hoya Paranoia, when it was yeah, about the they, players. I don't even think it's about the coaches. People don't care enough about college basketball. I got it, but you know they what? Don't. Because the players aren't there, well, and you've, it, it's, it's the argument you're making. People Like, you're tuning in to watch the coaches. The, the, no, you're you know not. Don't lot, lie to yourself. I can't, but here's the thing. In a lot of these games, it is a battle of culture. You hear that all the time from football coaches. When I hear Alabama, I think of a team that's extremely disciplined because of the Nick Saban, just the way he hammers home the message. It's probably not fun to play for him, but it's very, very rewarding. But to go back a little bit in terms of what kids prefer, I'm not making a judgment on this. Let's say all things were equal in terms of the faculty support, the programs they're at, and the money that they could spend on coaches. Here's the unfortunate reality. Do you think most kids would rather play for Prime or Eddie George? Well, prime. Right. And that's why it might work. That's why it okay. might work. Steve, we've already had the might work conversation. Yeah. We're now dwelling in good for college football. And this again, I don't, and, and it's, I'm glad you went there because it's a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Now you just keep running from it, though. No, I'm not. I, <laughs> I, I, Dion, to me, if he, look, here's the issue with Dion. He's, He's like Sinatra. He's going to do it his way. He always has. But why are we... I would not necessarily rip him for using the template that is now in place with the transfer portal rules and the NIL. Here's what I do expect from Dion. Stay at Colorado for at least six, seven years. Don't just be a carpetbagger. When the next job comes that pays more money, because you made a commitment to Colorado, because here's the other story that's not being told with all these people that want to make it racist... Yeah, well, uh, it wasn't white people that got upset when he left an HBCU. 
That's the thing that gets me about a lot of these people that are trying to hammer home and white guilt a lot of people saying they don't like Dion for this, this, and that. I said, yeah, but you know what's funny? They didn't care that he left Jackson State. They're just fascinated by what's going on in Colorado. This is where the, the conversation is not very honest. Most white people don't care where Dion coaches. They're actually fascinated if he could turn around Colorado. See, that's the thing that's really interesting about this whole conversation is like, if you really want to help young black men and black industry and black institution, hello, this is a fact. He just left an HBCU to go to a PWI. That's a fact. It, it, it's a fact, and okay, you've just moved the conversation, and I'll go right there with you in terms of Dion and, and this whole mentality of, of playing the race card and pretending that white people feel threatened. It, 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 it's such a joke, and it's such pandering. He's taken a lot of heat for leaving Jackson State. Jackson, Mississippi, an area where he his impact and the impact of that football program, if he had stuck with it, could have been enormous. And so what's he do to get his black credibility back up? He goes the Colin Kaepernick route. He goes to a predominantly white institution and starts playing the race card. And they feel threatened. And I'm a confident black man. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Cut it out, Dion. Because I think I read somewhere... Didn't $26 million pour into the football program yeah. since Dion's been hired? Let's go do the accounting. How much of that $26 million came from these same white people that are allegedly right. so threatened by him? It, it, cut it out, Dion. I mean, Jason, last Labor Day weekend, I happened to be in Miami. And I remember on that Sunday, Jackson State played, I think, Florida A&M in that same game at Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah. And I remember it was a big event down there because it was Travis Hunter's first game, Dion's coming to town, Jackson State's this powerhouse, and they blew him out. This year, there was no coverage of the game, and I happened to be flipping through the channels, and it was 28-0 Florida A&M in the third quarter, and I said, Wow. Jackson State now is like that abandoned city. It is. It's like that abandoned city. I, could, I saw black tumbleweeds. Fly. It's going. called black flight. Right. They call it white flight, <laughs> but it's actually black flight. Seriously, they, right. they, they love to talk about uh, again. They love to talk about our neighborhoods, but it's the black people who who see success as moving out of the black community. That's how we define right. success. The best, the, the best thing you can do is move to a white neighborhood. And, and again, everybody has this guilt about it. And Dion has that guilt. He left the black neighborhood. He left the hood. Again, one of the first people he thanked was, I want to thank God. I want to thank the hood for sticking with me and all, the, all this other stuff. Dion knows what exactly he did. And this is... Colin Kaepernick and all the other African-Americans that go out of their way trying to get their black credibility and have their ultimate black moment, they start playing the race card. This whole assertion that white people feel threatened, it's a joke. And then to go a step further to clean up his own image, to attack Ed Werder and to sit there and pretend like and again, this is the Christian part of me that, you know, won't ask you to go there. But do you believe in, do you believe now? And I'm thinking, this man's a Christian. 
asking another man to confess his belief <laughs> in him. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Th this is, I'm just, so, this is unacceptable behavior for a man who claims a Christian faith. And when Ed Werder says, believe in what? It was the exact perfect response. Oh, you don't believe, next question, I'm moving on from you. Dion wants everybody to kiss his butt and to worship him. It's a God complex. It's, it's that mentality that man is his own individual God. It's, it's, I'm just sorry, it's repulsive to me. You know, you played that press conference footage from a month ago. I had never seen that where he said, I don't care what you think about me. And the first thing he pulls out is, this is what you think about me. Yes. I mean, so if you really don't care about someone else's opinion, don't have receipts longer than Rite Aid. I mean, my God, or CVS, they waste a lot of trees with that, by the way. But here's the other thing that's really interesting. I would love to have a completely off-the-record conversation, you, me, and Eddie Robinson, that coach. The, the yes. Alabama State coach, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I would love to see or hear what his real thoughts of what led into his comments, what he thought about Dion's tenure, what his real goals were, and the way he just left. I mean, it's been obvious by what he kind of did, but I, I would like to ask him specific questions like, were these festering emotions or was it something that you saw based on his success, knowing that he probably played on a different playing field? He, trust me, what the guy, he said exactly what, he's not swag. swag. He's a phony is what he was basically saying. He's there to use this situation to better himself. He's not there to help those kids at Jackson State. He's gonna take a handful of them that can help him at Colorado, but he doesn't care about Jackson State. He doesn't care about HBCUs. He, it's all a gimmick to promote Dion. He doesn't care about black coaches. Yeah, well, I, I don't disagree. You look at his uh, coordinator hires. Yeah. I mean, it's awfully wider than the snow in Boulder, Colorado, but anyway. <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about was that situation that happened with his son at the camp. I know the way these camps run. I've talked to people. When uh, every coach in America has a camp on the football facilities. Yeah. So there's hundreds of kids. And I've been told they know who the blue chippers are. So they have a list. Those particular 25 kids, the coaches are basically there to do an unofficial combine to look at them. And everyone else just goes through drills. You know what, Dion? When you do the coach prime camp, you're going to be doing the exact same thing and someone else you'll feel shunned. That's it. I, I, they, they offered the kid a scholarship. So he, he's not a kid that they weren't interested in. They were interested in it. What Dion doesn't know, it's a very, it's a tactic by Dion. He is clever with what he's doing. Why can't I think Willie, who was the coach? Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart. I think that's who the coach was when Kendall Browse was there. And, uh, black coach, by the way. Yeah, but Willie Tiger, black coach, yeah. Yeah, and so that's who it was. When, and so Dion doesn't want to throw Willie under the bus. He found a white coach to throw under the bus, Kendall Browse. And so uh, this is when you're dealing with a kid with Shador's talent and his dad's connection to the university, and you got a LeVar Ball-type situation but instead of LeVar Ball being some guy that played small college basketball and averaged one point, you're talking about one of the greatest players in the history of football, played at Florida State, and now here's his kid with some serious talent. There's a likelihood that Willie Taggart said, 
hey man, we gotta be very careful with how we deal with Dion's kid. No one make a mistake. Let me do all the engagement with Dion and his son. Let me keep you out of it. I don't want you to be responsible. I don't want you to say the wrong thing. Dion's temperamental and blah, blah, blah. I can almost guarantee you those were the instructions to the assistant coaches. I got this. This is a volatile situation. It's Dion. Dion wants to be the coach here. He's one of the greatest players to ever play here. He's, he's got a huge platform. I'll handle this. Kendall Browse was probably keeping his distance just to make sure <laughs> nothing went wrong. But here's Dion needing to throw Ed Werder under the bus, Kendall Browse under the bus, white people in general under the bus, so that black people feel good about him taking his talents to a predominantly white school, and he going, I got 75% black kids yeah. in, the, in my university. It's all a gimmick. Yeah, first of all, in Florida State, They've never had a problem playing black quarterbacks the last 30 years, starting from Charlie Ward on. They have a pretty good yeah. one right now this year, I hate to say it. The other thing, when you talk about the 75%, and I'm like, Dion, you just described every good program in America. <laughs> I didn't get that. The coaching just replaced his yeah. black. Right. Um, I don't know the last all-white college football team. I think it's Adams College and Revenge of the Nerds. They had a bunch of white. I just happened to watch that on Sunday, and I'm watching that. I'm going, who's playing wide receiver there? For the Adams. But anyway, yeah, the whole notion that um, I, the thing is to go back to the original point. The coaches look at Dion as a nuisance, a very dangerous one. That's it. I don't think they hate Dion. They're just thinking, oh my God, now we're going to have to do the 35 new guys in a portal every year. Oh, this is terrible. It's worse than a nuisance. It, it's, <laughs> if this becomes the standard, and I know Dion doesn't believe this because what we mostly do, what the mistake most people make is we think everybody thinks like we think. And, and people don't think the same as us. And so Dion can't see it. Dion thinks everybody's just like him. They just want to win. They just want to build themselves up. They want to make as much money as possible and move on to the next thing. There are actual coaches who, when they got into this year, 20, 30 years ago, they wanted to get in a situation where they can help mold kids. Yes. This is going to be fun. I'm going to stay involved with football, but I also get to mold kids and build that relationship. And that's part of my enjoyment of the process. Yes, I make a lot of money, but also I make these connections with kids and I get to implant and help shape and mold these young people. That's part of the motivation, I think, for 75% well, of coaches. And what Dion is setting up here, and with, with, if this becomes the standard, is all that goes away, and all well, you do is X's and O's with the kids. Well, Jason, that's my next point. So, number one, I hope Dion stays at Colorado for his while. Sits down as Louie and says, this is it. My, this is my job. I'm not looking for anything else. I want to set some real roots here. So let's say he stays seven or eight years. So let's not just take a look at his win-loss. Let's take a look at his graduation percentage. Take a look at the behavior of his players and what type of people he's putting out. Because believe it or not, a lot of programs actually do a better job. I know there's a stereotype of the football factories, but a lot of programs actually do a really vigilant, uh, vigilant job of making sure their athletes at least have some semblance of an education when let they me, leave. Let me, let me throw a curveball at you because I literally was just in this conversation last week. See, when's the last time you've heard of any athlete 
any college athlete flunking out or suspended very over grades. It's gone away. Very few. And in fact, uh, they make sure you graduate. They do. No, no, no. I, but my point is, yeah, they, they, they don't they, make sure you're educated. Right. They make sure you you're graduate. Eligible. Yeah. You're eligible. <laughs> it, eligible. When's the last time we heard about anybody being ineligible? Right. Like, over grades. It doesn't happen anymore. They've put a system into place. This whole thing's a gimmick. No one's getting educated. People are being graduated from college. They're staying there. When the last, I, I can't remember the last time I've heard about someone being academically ineligible. Yeah, it, it just doesn't happen. Rarely, it does. And, and you know, there are schools now, um, I know that Miami does this, that if you are an athlete that left early, let's say your junior year to do whatever, if you are in good academic standing and you have any issues, they'll actually let you finish out your degree. No question. So, so this whole notion that athletes are just used, I have a theory. If you are complaining about the system, you are not smart enough to exploit the system that was set up for you. That's just sour grapes. I, don't, I, I have no sympathy for these players who 10 years down the line realized, my God, I should have been a better student. Right. It's not, it, you're deaf ears. I'm going to go back 35 years. Me and my head coach at Ball State, we didn't get along. He let me keep my scholarship my fifth year without playing so that I could graduate. This is all, these coaches, and again, me and the head coach didn't get along, but they wanted the kids in their program. I'm sure there were incentives in their contract, but they wanted the kids to get some benefit out of this. And it's all, I'm talking about back when I was playing in the late 80s, it was all laid out for you on a table. It's just whether you wanted to go eat it or not. And it was up to you, but they put everything in front of you. And now they've built a system where, again, it's, all, it's like the Michael Orr situation where the Orr, or that Tui family, sent a tutor up there <laughs> to walk him through four years of college. They, they, that's the setup now. These guys have tutors and people that basically assist them taking the class. No one flunks out. It, it, it just, so I, I just... I, I, Dion, and the the whole, I, I just, not a good influence, Steve. Well, I will say this. I saw one of the interviews he did yesterday. I think it may have been with Skip. Um, and he said, look, I want to make sure that these kids know about financial literacy. And he's also, I've seen videos where he's talked about, hey, in our program, we respect women. These are our workers. If I hear anything inappropriate going on, you're off. I will give him credit because if he can mold young men in that aspect where they are better off at age 21 than they were at age 18, then I think we do have to give him credit because in some of his more serious moments, I actually like the message that he espouses. Now, does he act upon them? We don't know yet, but let's see. I think those messages, boy, and I'm really going super negative, but I'm just telling you, the, the guy just doesn't exhibit any of the behavior that he pretends to support and uh, believe. <laughs> he, he just doesn't. And so everything you're hearing is about his own self-preservation in terms of what can take Dion down at Colorado. It won't be kids flunking out. They got a system to keep them all on track to graduate. It, it, won't, be, it won't be wins and losses. He, he'll win enough games because the bar is so low. He'll win enough games to keep that job. Controversy. If, if sexual 
assault allegations could get him in trouble. Uh, the financial literacy part is probably like gambling allegations could get him in trouble. If things spin off the rails, off the field, that's what gets Dion in trouble. He, he, and part of his strategy, I'm telling all of this is a calculated strategy. He's bullying the media to make sure nothing gets covered. No, nothing. If they got all kinds of off the field problems or whatever, the media will be afraid to touch it because they'll get accused of racism if they do touch it. And then it'll be, well, this goes on at such and such school and that school and no, and, and people like Clarence Hill will jump out there and say, no white coach ever got ran out for sexual assault and then someone will go, what about Art Browse? What about this guy? What about that guy? And he'll, he'll take the tweet down. But again, the, the car will be, the protection racket around Dion and the way he's intimidated and bullied the media it, it, it's, 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 I hear everything he's doing as calculated strategy to, to keep everybody at bay that, man, all we really doing here is playing football and who knows what else is going on because Dion's not coaching the team. He's out doing interviews. He's on, he's obsessed with social media. He's responding to tweets and, and, looking for receipts over Twitter. It's crazy. It's, 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 it is sustainable, I think, to some degree, because the system is so corrupt. There is no system of checks and balances. Everybody's afraid of the race card. Everybody's afraid of being called a sellout. So it might be sustainable. But good for college football? I don't see it. Well, in certain... Okay, we'll agree to disagree on that, but... I don't know if you realize this, and Coach JB reminded me of about seven, eight years ago when Dion was still living in Dallas. I think he tried to start his own high school or his yeah. own academy, and there was some BS highness going on. Yes. I'm not saying he was Roy Johnson, but there was some BS high stuff going yes. on, and that, that ended in scandal. Yeah, mm. and, and that's, those are like the last vestiges of actual journalism. That, that was... Seven, eight years ago, right? That, that was about the last time the sports media even made attempts at doing actual journalism. There's so much, look at how much money Fox Sports has tied up in Dion and the big noon kickoff and their investment in college football. He'll be back on with Minnesota. Their whole, he's the biggest thing going in college football. The whole system is going to wrap its arms around Dion. And again, that's why this whole thing, people are threatening, people don't want to see us have success. Are you kidding me? The entire system is being rigged up right now for Dion and Colorado to have success. They all need it to happen. He's experiencing a level of privilege that's unprecedented, but no one's going to talk about it. Everybody's just going to go on Fox Sports and ESPN and cheerlead Dion and, and wait for someone to say anything critical to call him a racist or a sellout. Yeah, and that's unfortunate, but I, I, I can't lie, Jason. I'm fascinated by Colorado because this is the great experiment, even more than Lincoln Riley at USC, because what we're going to see now, and, and 
I haven't, look, I'm just telling you, the last time I cared about Colorado football thinking about this was in 2001. So did, ask, answer me this, and I'm about to yep. be a smart aleck here. I'm yep. going to you for you, you must have enjoyed COVID. That was interesting, fun to watch on TV. Oh, get out, get out of here. You would you it's, it's a big, It was a big experiment, Steve. It was a bit, the whole thing. It was. It was a whole big. That, that's what this. This is COVID. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is the very definition of false equivalency. I want to apologize for the fine host of this program. Um, yeah. Okay. One is not like the other. There. Remember, they had a countdown clock of oh deaths God. on CNN and MSNBC. It was very exciting, Steve. Hey, look, look, look. Dion and COVID may have both gone viral. It's a little different, okay? But I, I can't. I got to be honest. Every weekend, I will at least be looking at Colorado scores, if not watching the game. Oh, well, that, well, that, well, as long as you're happy, we should all be happy. Well, I'm just thinking about me for once all the time. Yeah, and you will too, though, Jason, whether you want to admit it or not. Of course I'm going to watch. It's a fascinating story. Ah, so it is fat, like COVID. It's fascinating. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, but I'm not going to call COVID good. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's fascinating, but not good. Yeah. So what's good is fascinating, not fascinating. What's fascinating is not always good. Okay, we've, we've established that. Anything? Did we leave anything out? Was there? Looking, looking forward to the Nebraska game. Yeah. And by the way, old school rivals from the Big Eight. They haven't played in a while. It's a big game. And, and, and look, a month ago, I would have said Matt Rule in Nebraska would just run them over after what I saw last week with Jeff Sims, who I like, kept throwing the ball to Minnesota at the worst times. I, I, I completely honest. That game's at Boulder. I think the Buffaloes are 2-0, Jason. It's your, Nash, it's your nightmare. 2-0, Colorado. It's not. I, I, look, I'm not rooting for them to lose. Oh. I'm, really, I'm not. I'm, I'm, what? <laughs> really? I'm going to tell you why. Really? Because the things I argue today are true whether they go 12-0 or 1-11. It, it doesn't matter to me. The things I'm talking about that have bothered me about Deion Sanders, it's not dependent on the record. And I actually think Deion's fraudulence makes it more likely he's going to be successful. Uh, we, we're living in a different era now where people have to reconfigure their expectations and 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 dude, it's it's something I've been just dealing with myself. It's like the better life, the more righteous life I live, the more problems I seem to experience. And, and the more I seem to be out of line with the culture. And, and you know, I, I'm never, and I've just accepted it. I'm always going to be, or try to be, a man of my word and to live up to my responsibilities and, and to be someone that people can rely on and an honest broker. And if that costs me, money and uh, adulation and all that, I'm just going to have to suffer those consequences because, you know, we're living, and I know this isn't your lane, but we're living in a very demonic era, and, and, and people that cut corners and do uh, fraudulent, calculated, unfair things are being rewarded in this world. I, I do not disagree. I actually do not disagree, but I just think Bo Schembechler has to be rolling over in his grave. He wanted Michigan men, and that meant something. <laughs> What's a Colorado man? Let's find out.
Let's find out in three, four. What is a Colorado man is a former Michigan man as well. (laughs) (laughs) He's J.J. McCarthy. Or Bill Bill McCarthy, yeah. J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback. Oh, that's true. Him transferring to Colorado. That's a Colorado man. Mm, Okay. (laughs) All right. uh, We're out of here. We're done. Play some tomorrow. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow. Oh